Harrison Jr. Touchdown! Marvelous Mar. This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. Welcome in, everybody, to a special edition of Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. I am, as always, your host, Jared Palmgren. Last year, I began what was known as the way-too-early CFF Mock Draft Special, and it was a resounding success. So, of course, we're running it back again this year. Today, we'll be running through the first way-too-early Mock Draft for CFF 2023, pretty much the best way that we can kick off the 2023 CFF season. Much about last year's special has remained the same, but I am going to run down through everything that you need to know before we get started. In this special, we're going to have 12 different college fantasy analysts in this draft, and each one of them is going to talk about their teams and their experiences slash lessons from this draft. Before each pick, I'll briefly introduce each expert, and then they'll take their turn answering a series of questions that I've laid out for them, as well as bringing their own analysis to the table. So you'll be hearing from 12 different points of view of this draft, as well as where things might be standing in CFF heading into 2023, all in one special. I want to thank each of these experts, and I'll make sure to thank them individually once they finish their segments. This draft and special would not be possible without them dedicating their time and effort to providing you guys the best analysis. Also, this special will not be the only analysis we will be providing for this draft. If you wish to see the full draft board, please go to my Twitter at CFF underscore Jared, and you'll find a post with the full draft board there. In addition, a second CTN episode will be released in the next week with myself and Nate Marquise, where we'll be analyzing the draft round by round. Please make sure to check that one out as well. Finally, if this is your first time coming to the Chase and the Natty channel, I hope you guys stick around and you can make sure to you can do that by clicking on the subscribe button and that notification bell. In addition, please leave comments down below on anything regarding this draft. Finally, if you are listening to the podcast version of this special, please make sure you're following us on whatever platform you're listening to and that you leave those wonderful, wonderful five-star reviews. Now, before we begin, let me go over the format of the draft as well as roster requirements. The draft was made up of 12 different analysts and was conducted in a snake order. The order was determined by random chance. The draft contains only nine rounds as it is early in the offseason and most of the rankings haven't been finalized enough for us to go deeper than really that yet. The roster was also made up of nine starting roster spots. Each team by the end contained at least two or contained two QBs, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, and then one flex option being a running back, wide receiver, or tight end. No bench players were considered here. And with that, you guys pretty much have everything you need to know in order to understand what is going on in this upcoming special, so let's get right on to it. Up first, we'll be starting off with a bang as Eric Froton from NBC Sports Edge has the number one overall pick and comes to us live from one of college football's most iconic locations. You can find him on Twitter at CFF. Froton, or CF Froton, excuse me. Go ahead and take it away, Froton. Hi, I'm Eric Froton with NBC Sports Edge, and I'm here from the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California, where my number one overall pick in the 2023 
way too early CFF mock draft, Caleb Williams defeated the crosstown rival UCLA Bruins 48 to 45 on November 19th. Now I've returned to the scene of that epic performance because we have the NFLPA Bowl going on. But even though we're transitioning from last year's class to 2023, that doesn't mean we can't sit here and talk about college fantasy football, and I'm going to. So let me answer these questions from Mr. Jared, shall we? What is my general opinion of this year's pool of players? Anything unique compared to previous years? Well, thank you, Jared. Thank you for asking that question. My opinion? Six quarterbacks were taken out of the first 11 picks in that mock draft. That is something that has certainly not been the trend over the past few years. Traditionally, you've seen maybe the top high, high end last year, Stroud, Young, etc. Go in that top range, but six out of the top 11? Basically unheard of. And there's a reason for that, because the next 23 picks, there's only one quarterback taken, Tyler Shuck. And then from there, frankly, I liked what I saw at that back end. I purposely didn't take a second quarterback until that eighth, ninth round bounce back because I wanted to see what would be available. And frankly, I was happy because 31 points per game in 22 of Michael Pratt, who beat USC, my number one pick, Caleb Williams, in the bowl, somehow he is still available in the ninth round. So I was very happy with how that materialized. That being said, could I do, if I had to do it over again, would I do something different? I would, I would, because in that two, three bounce back pick after taking Caleb Williams, I should have gone wide receiver, wide receiver. I took Zachary Franklin and I took Nick Singleton, but I was pretty happy with the depth of running backs towards the end of the draft. I will get into that a little bit later. So I would have, instead of the running back wide receiver combo, I would have won wide receiver, wide receiver. It would have went Franklin. And then one of the next couple of guys taking either Dorian Singer, you know, for USC, obviously for that pairing. Uh, or I really liked the uh, the selection of Jacob Cowan as well. So I think I would have gone with him, one of those two players, uh, if I didn't go that direction. Tez Walker, that's fine, but I'll get to UNC's wide receiver later. That being said, uh, as far as strategies and this player pool, I think it's pretty good. You know, it's early, obviously, and we had a pretty good, solid, defined first four rounds. But um, after that, I felt like it got a little bit dodgy with the wide receivers. So that's why I would go with that particular uh, philosophy. Next, which players did, was I surprised to see go undrafted through nine rounds? First off, obviously, Sam the Hitman Hartman. Going from Wake Forest to Notre Dame. Now, obviously, going from the slow mesh to a more plodding, methodical style that Tommy Reese employs over there is reason for concern. However, get Ian Book. Ian Book put up plenty of fantasy points. You didn't have any issues with him. They made an actual competent signal caller two years ago. Obviously, Brian Kelly was there, but it was the same offensive staff out of a Wisconsin transfer who was taken over by Graham Mertz. You know what I mean? So I'm not afraid of a guy who has proven himself time after time and Sam Hartman going over there and running a more pro-style offense. I think it's going to be just fine. And with the way that they typically dominate inferior opponents, he's going to be in great shape. And I'm still very bullish on Sam Hartman. Didn't go drafted for nine rounds? Surprising to me. Now the next question was, how do I feel about the players that will be rising and falling over the course of the off season. Now, if there's anything that I think will certainly 
transpire is going to be this. You're not going to see six quarterbacks go in the first round every draft. I, in fact, I, I, it's, it's just simply not going to happen. The value is too good down the board. We've proven that with this particular draft. You saw Kyle McCord. You saw Preston Stone, the aforementioned Michael Pratt. Several, Brendan Armstrong, uh, reunited with offensive coordinator Robert Nye over there at NC State. You're going to have some talent in that seven to nine range. I do think you will start to see uh, players doing the quote-unquote zero QB theory. That being said, I see more wide receivers kind of crawling up in the first round, and I see a nice, solid, deep running back class. And let me kind of get to that. Uh, obviously, I talked about how I liked how the quarterbacks were taken a little bit later in that ninth round range, but the running backs too. Look at the last three running backs who were selected. One of whom was mine, Marshawn Lloyd, again, USC. But we're talking about a former five-star who tore up his knee as a freshman. Came back, took a little time. This year, he was phenomenal. Not just running the ball between the tackles either, out of the backfield. Look, you're going to see Marshawn Lloyd take over the Travis Dye role. I'm not even remotely concerned about Austin Jones, who was fairly pedestrian in his brief run at the starting job. There's a reason why they brought in Marshawn Lloyd. It's to put Austin Jones back to where he belongs as a number two running back. Look at Treshawn Ward, Kansas State. He's coming right here. He's taking that role that Deuce Vaughn had, and he's going to run with that. Why wouldn't I want Treshawn Ward? He proved at a part of a three-back committee at Florida State that he's legit. Sure, Trey Benson's there and has proven himself to be an NFL draft-worthy running back, so he transferred out, but dude, you're in you're at Kansas State. They have a veteran quarterback in Will Howard there, fully cucked Adrian Martinez. There you go, Heisey. I know you wanted to hear one of those. Um, and and as well, Javante Barnes, Oklahoma. Yeah, great. Hey, look, I'm a Gavin Sawchuck guy. Everybody knows that. That being said, Javante Barnes was the heir apparent all season long and even in the summer camp to the departed Eric Gray. Sure, I see his thunder and lightning combo being an issue, but I think it's 65-35, okay? And that's good enough in a Jeff Levy offense to see Javante Barnes be very productive for the ninth-round pick that he was taken at. Those are the last three running backs who were taken in this draft. That's pretty damn good. If you look at what the last wide receivers were taken, flyers. We're taking shots now. Okay, We don't have solid, dependable guys like those three running backs we just discussed. I think you're going to be in good shape if you go maybe take one of the top quarterbacks if you want to go that direction. Wait until round 9, 10, 11 to get your second. Stockpile skill, specifically wide receivers in the early rounds, mid-rounds hit those running backs. That would be my personal uh, read. So in summation... Thank you very much for taking the time to watch my portion of the Chasing the Natty Way Too Early 2023 mock draft. I look forward to seeing you playing college fantasy football this season, as we all should. Thank you, Eric. Up next is Anthony Mustin, a.k.a. Farnsworth, one half of the dynamic duo of the Ankle Biters podcast. Y'all can find him on Twitter at CFFNation. Tell them what they need to hear, Farnsworth. What's up, what's up, world? This is Tony, a.k.a. Farnsworth with CFF Nation here to discuss the first, way too early, first 2023 mock draft of the year. 
that I had the opportunity to take a part in. Thanks to Jared Palmgren for inviting me on with such great minds in the CFF community. Had a lot of fun, as it always is. You get great insight and great perspective on players and, and helps you out with Evolve and uh, how you should value this player or that player. Uh, let's jump right into this. We had the opportunity, well, I had the opportunity of having the second pick of the draft, a five-point uh, passing yard. So we went with a quarterback. I generally will never almost go with a wide receiver in the first round. That's just my thing. Uh, and so it was either quarterback or running back. And here we had the opportunity to choose between, I was looking at Drake May or Austin Reed, but Drake May had the rushing yard upside, even though Austin Reed had more rushing touchdowns. But Drake May, again, a wonderful dual threat quarterback, I think it was a no-brainer when you really looked at the numbers. Uh, phenomenal freshman last year. Had to go with him. Couldn't help but do that. That was right. I mean, it was, it was right there. Second pick, uh, we took a running back there. I wanted Damian Martinez, but he didn't make it back to me there. And so with that pick, uh, I took uh, Jermaine Brown Jr., running back out of UAB. He's taking over the backfield for Dwayne McBride, who's departing for the NFL. I think he should light it up this year. Comes back around. I was looking for Malik Neighbors, but he didn't make it to me. Got got again by Eric Froten, so we went with uh, 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 Devontae Walker. I'm sorry, Devontae Walker. Actually, I wasn't looking for Malik Neighbors here. I was looking for him later in the draft. But Devontae Walker, this is the third round. Uh, I was looking for the stack. It's what I wanted. The Drake May and the Devontae Walker stack got that. Devontae Walker, the transfer from Kent State. Now, a Tar Heel. And then the fourth round, I think this was the steal of the draft for me. In my eyes, we get Marquez Cooper here uh, going from one situation where he was a lead back, workhorse back, to another situation lead lead back workhorse back so this was a wonderful uh observation on his part and where he would tra uh, transfer out with some of the other players would kind of take note but this is i mean this should be wonderful and to get him in the fourth round was amazing amazing now this is the round fifth round is where i wanted to get malik neighbors is coming around on the elbow and but eric took him right there so we couldn't get him so uh i ended up getting one of my pre-draft targets, Jordan Curley, wide receiver from SMU. So that was wonderful. They were able to get him. He should take over right there for Rasheed Rice, we hope. And so I feel good about that. So sixth round, I'm feeling really good at this point, feeling the skill positions pretty well. I uh, thought it was a good time to grab another one of my targets, Riley Leonard, quarterback from Duke. I think this guy's going to be phenomenal in 2023. I'm extremely high on him this year. Between the transfer portal and the coaching carousel, uh, the QB position is just, it's real tasty this year. Got a lot of wonderful options, man, uh, this year. Doesn't seem like that for the wide receivers, though. A bunch of questions there. But for the quarterback position, it should be really, really fun this year from that position. Uh, but this is one of the guys that I'm really, really high on this year. Seventh round, we're looking to finish off the wide receiver demand. So kind of go off the radar, some, some, somewhat off the radar with this one. Jordan Tyson, talented freshman from Colorado. Dion is there. You got Shador Sanders there, who is a phenomenal talent. But you get Sean Lewis uh, in that offensive system from Kent State. Uh, he should be able to, even though Jordan Tyson's coming off an injury, season-ending injury, I think he was the best option in that 
room, no doubt. And so, again, I think Sean Lewis will find plenty of ways to utilize his skill set and get him the ball. Eighth round, somewhat of a homer pick. We went with Javante Barnes running back out of Oklahoma. I think it'll pay great dividends in Levy's offense. I do recommend in deeper leagues, by the way, that if you draft him, you got to handcuff him with Gavin Sawchuck. You got to do that. Uh, I think he'll have plenty of opportunity to just tote the rock. But this is going to be an amazing one-two punch. We finish off the draft in the ninth round with another one of my pre-draft targets here with RJ Maryland, tight end out of SMU. He should be this year a uh, very super talented tight end. Should be far and away the lone option at the tight end position. He was kind of sharing that a little bit last year, sharing some snaps. But the staffs, the staff, the staff loves him, and so do I. Very, very talented, uber talented. Um, but that was it for the draft. Uh, my favorite pick of the draft was probably Mark uh, Marquez Cooper. I got him in the fourth. The guy had over 1,300 rushing yards last year, 13 touchdowns on 285 carries. Did that in 12 games. Leaves that system. Well, not really leaves it, but his coach leaves. He gets in the portal, and he finds something similar. Finds something similar. He goes to a system that, that afforded Carson Steele. 1,566 rushing yards, 14 touchdowns on 289 carries, also in 12 games. But here's the thing. you got to remember, Cooper, um, in three out of his first four games, had stiff competition. He had Washington, he had OU, and Georgia on the slate. And the guy still, the kid still had 1,300 yards and 13 touchdowns on the season. So and we got him in the fourth round. I thought that was a wonderful steal. Least favorite pick of the draft is probably Javante Barnes. A bit of a homer pick. I'm not saying I don't like him, but kind of a homer pick. Uh, how much of a workload does DeMarco Murray surrender him as the lead back? Is it 70-30, 65-35, 60-40? Because Gavin Salchuk is for real. He, he is a dude, and you're going to have to keep an eye on that because – Again, it may be a nice one-two punch, but you got to handcuff them there. But it was a wonderful time for me. Again, thank you, Jared, for the opportunity to uh, come in and, and do this with you guys. It's always fun. Hopefully, we can do it again. Till then, I'm out. Thank you, Farnsworth. Up next is the host of the Chasing Natty CFF podcast, as well as the special, me, Jared Palmgren. You can find myself on Twitter at CFF underscore Jared. Take it away, me, I guess. All right, thank you very much for that wonderful introduction from the very handsome host of this here's special. If y'all don't know who I am, I am Jared Palmgren, the host of the Chase and Natty ACFF podcast. I'm also the head CFF content creator over at campusacanton.com. Go check out all of our stuff on YouTube and the website. In addition to that, you can find myself on Twitter. I am at CFF underscore Jared. You can also find the podcast's Twitter at Chasing the Natty. And for this here way too early draft, I had the 103 pick. I guess I'll just quickly run through my team in general here. Uh, first pick I took was Quinchon Judkins, the running back at Ole Miss. Followed that up with Torrey Horton, the wide receiver out of Colorado State. Then I went Kavorian Barnes, the running back at a UTSA. Followed that up with another UTSA player. I took DeCorian Clark, the wide receiver, at a UTSA there. Followed that up with Jace McClellan, the running back out of Alabama. After that came Derwin Burgess, wide receiver out of Georgia Southern. 
in addition and after that I took my two quarterbacks I first took Brennan Armstrong the quarterback now at North Carolina State and then followed that up with Jalen Daniels the quarterback out of Kansas and with my last pick I took Mason Taylor the freshman phenom tight end out of LSU so that's kind of my overview of my draft real quick. And again, if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll be able to see my team over there to the left. That was mostly for you uh, podcast listeners, so you can have a basic idea of what's going on here. Anyway, let's get to these questions. Um, general opinion of this year's pool of players. So running back was a lot deeper than I thought this year. And my initial fear of running back this year came from the fact that out of the top 24 running backs from last year, only five of them returned to their previous schools. Three of them transferred to a different spot, some better than others, in my opinion, in terms of their fantasy impact for this year. And then the rest of them went off to the draft and just got out of there. And then you had wide receivers, which I thought would be a little bit deeper because out of the top 24, you see you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of them come back to their schools. But then I realized that those were the only really great options in terms of guys who were coming back. Because after that, it, it got really hard to find guys who were just kind of known qu- quantities. And then when it comes to quarterback, again, clear top tier for QB at the very top. Six guys at the quarterback position went off in the first round. But in my opinion, there's plenty of great options later. So if you're just one of those guys where you want to grab one guy and then wait forever in order to grab your second guy, I definitely think it's a valid strategy for this year. Did I like the team that I drafted? I didn't love it initially, but it's kind of been growing on me ever since. Like, I I definitely, when you're in the moment of drafting, you start questioning yourself pretty much immediately after you make any given pick. But, like, now that I've had about a week to look at this draft before I recorded this, I'm really looking at it and saying, you know what? If I was going into the season, I would feel pretty strongly about this one. What's something I would do differently next time? Definitely would hit some wide receivers earlier. Again, that, it dried up so quickly for me. It was something I shifted pretty early on in this draft where I I was planning on taking some wide receivers late, but realized very quickly that there was just not a lot of guys that I loved. I like the three that I drafted for the most part, but I definitely would have felt a little bit better had maybe I gone Marvin Harrison Jr. in the first round rather than Quinshawn Judkins, or maybe I'd gone Jalen McMillan instead of Kavorian Barnes in the third round. I love Judkins. I love Barnes, but I feel like with the guys that were available at running back in like the fourth to sixth round I would have definitely been happier if I had gone RB heavy there rather than earlier in the draft like I did for this one so that's probably something I'm going to change here in the future Um, which players were I surprised that went undrafted through nine rounds a couple of guys here Uh, two quarterbacks again quarterback very deep this year a lot of great fun options for you to take to kind of play around with pretty much all of the quarterbacks that were going in like the seventh through ninth round range, I'd feel pretty comfortable with. Like you're getting guys again. I got Brandon Armstrong and Jalen Daniels. I like both of those guys. Uh, I like Brandon Armstrong again, yes, because system matters in CFF, and he's going back to the system that made him a CFF relevant guy. So I expect big things from him this year. Jalen Daniels, dude, just absolutely blew up at times last year. If he didn't get hurt, probably would have been a top twelve CFF quarterback throughout the rest of the year so I'm very happy to get him in like the eighth round but again there's other guys here that are fun too Dylan Gabriel is up he should be up for a pretty good year this year Kyle McCord was in the seventh Michael Pratt a guy who was just absolutely on fire at the end of the year he was he went off in the ninth round so lots of great quarterback options but again two guys that I was surprised were not drafted at any point Cameron Rising and KJ Jefferson again two dual threat guys if you're still able to get them 
in the 10th round, which is, again, our, our draft went to the 9th round. If you're able to get them in the 10th round, that just shows you how deep of options you have a quarterback this year. Running back, I think this was more due to people not realizing that he was coming back, but Jalen White, the running back out of Georgia Southern, he finishes the RB37, but he was as high as RB14 right before getting injured and the rest of the season being very hampered in the second half there. But like, if he comes back and he's healthy, that is a wide open backfield that he can easily take right back over. Jalen Green, the guy who really backed him up for a while, he's off to East Carolina, so... I think Jalen White's in for a pretty big year. And like if I wasn't capped at three running backs for this draft, I definitely would have taken him probably in the like eighth or ninth round pretty easily. Another guy, uh, in terms of wide receivers that surprised me, Terrell Vaughn, or really just any Utah State wide receivers. Again, this is still Blake Anderson's system. Yes, last year was a little bit of a mess. They tried to put Logan Bonner out there for whatever reason, and they tried their best, but it, it just wasn't working out. He just was way too beat up injured they're trying to hide all that kind of stuff i don't know they put cooper legas out there he was not ready he got better as the year went on and you still saw the number one wide receiver in uh brian Cobbs last year got that one right just wasn't quite as high of a ceiling as we're typically used to again i think that's them breaking in new quarterback i expect him to take a big step this year and to me the guy that's going to take over for that is going to be terrell vaughn he was the clear number two guy last year but again i'm surprised he didn't go off the board at any point here and then no Alabama wide receivers came off the board. I guess I shouldn't be super surprised because, again, just how much of a cluster that was last year. Burton, Brooks, like none of them really kind of stepped up. Some guys faded. Some guys rose throughout the year. Never really got consistent on who those wide number one wide receivers are going to be. But you would think that, like, again, with wide receiver kind of drying up so quickly and, like, by the seventh to ninth round, you're just taking pot shots on guys that you just happen to like. You would think that like a Burton or even a Ja'Cory Brooks comes off the board. Like again, I'm 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 in on Ja'Cory Brooks this year. I was a little wrong on him last year. I was kind of expecting him to not be as prevalent, but again, he was he was good. So I think it's going to be either him or Burton this year that takes off. We'll see. But again, I was kind of surprised that Alabama wide receivers were available that late. Some players I expect to rise or fall in the drafts as the year goes on. Two running backs that went too late, in my opinion. LaDamian Webb and Jace McClellan. Uh, those guys are not going to be available in the fourth and fifth round. I guarantee you both of those guys are going to rise, especially the moment that Jace McClellan is kind of becoming the clear number one running back for Alabama. That's always a great option for you to grab in CFF. And then a couple of guys I expect to fall, Quinn Ewers and Shador Sanders. I think they were kind of drafted at their ceiling in terms of ADP in this draft. I think they'll be divisive prospects this year. They're not going to be taken in the fourth and sixth rounds, respectively. I guarantee you both of those guys will come down a little bit. And then some quarterbacks I expect to rise, Kyle McCord, Joe Milton. Those guys both went pretty late in this draft. I guarantee you both of those guys will go up just because of system. Alrighty, I'm going above time already, so I really got to cut this short. Really appreciate you guys listening. Enjoy the rest of the experts you're going to listen to. Up next is Chris Moxley, one of the founders of Campus of Canton and co-host of Chasing the Natty during the season and Debbie Debate year-round. You can find him on Twitter at ChrisMoxley19. Have at it, Mox. Hey, all. It's Chris Moxley with Campus to Canton. I was able to take part in this way too early CFF mock draft. Uh, thanks to Jared for putting it together and everyone else for joining. It was a ton of fun. Really gave us our first look at the CFF landscape and how to approach it this year. It was before that I even had my rankings in. So it made me think a lot about, you know, different things. And 
I hadn't really thought about what the players are going to look like. I, I think that this pool of players is shallow at certain positions. So my draft went something like this. Marvin Harrison Jr., Trey Benson, Brock Bowers, LaDamian Webb through my first four picks. Wide receiver was important to me because even looking at the board, I felt that this was going to be a pretty shallow position. Uh, and I think it played out that way. You know, I, I took Marvin Harrison around one and I didn't take another receiver till around eight. I don't really love the middle all that much. I think there's some interesting names, but a lot of, a lot of honestly gaps and uh, risk involved. So I just some names that stick out to me, right? Like Jalen McMillan in the uh, third round of pick 29 by Josh uh, CFF guys, really, really nice pick. I, I think that that's really solid. Uh, especially it's like uh, almost a full round after Roma Dunze. So I think that's a solid value. Dorian Singer is a nice value in the third as well. But overall, the round five is where you get pretty risky. Froton took Malik Neighbors, who I like as well. Um, but a lot of risk after you get outside the first four rounds. So if you're going to invest in wide receiver this year, I think you need to do so early and then maybe wait till maybe after round 10 to really get some value there. That's the position that I feel the least secure about overall. I think that there are a lot of value at the other position. So let me, I'll talk about quarterback real quick. I think quarterback is one that's really deep this year and it's deep a lot of years. And a lot of that comes into a matchup. So, you know, later on in the season, you want to be playing a lot of these Mac guys earlier in the season. You might want to be playing a quarterback who has an easier out of conference schedule, maybe like a, um, you know, like an Alabama, Georgia, et cetera, type of type of team, um, leverage those players earlier in the year and then get easier matchups with your uh, maybe group of five players. Quarterback felt good. I actually took two of them uh, in the first seven rounds. Joe Milton, who he went off the board as quarterback. Um, he went off the quarterback 11, if I if I have that right. If I'm, if I'm wrong, Gary can correct me. But Milton, um, I thought he was good value there. I actually ranked him in my top 10 earlier. I think that his rushing ability is pretty impressive, and I think that he can operate the offense similarly to what Hendon Hooker did last year. I also took Kyle McCord in the seventh round. Um, he'll end up as a top 12 quarterback for me as well. I think he's going to start at Ohio State, and the starter at Ohio State with Emeka Ibuka, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., and whoever that third option ends up, ends up being this year, probably, probably a lot of Julian Fleming is going to be a valuable position. He fell in this draft, I think, because there's risk. So I took him between Brendan Armstrong and Preston Stone with Curtis O'Rourke and Jordan Travis right in the same area. I still think I would prefer McCord above uh, all of those guys, but I do think there's a little bit of risk that you're getting um, there. <sighs> Running back, a little shallow um, in terms of risk. I think that there's a lot more risk. So the first run back I took was Trey Benson. Uh, I really like Trey Benson. Um, then I took LaDamian Webb, and I took LaDamian Webb in the fourth round. I don't think he's going to end up there. I think he'll probably be a uh, late second, early third round pick eventually. But I think where I got him in the 40, at the 45 spot, so late first, or late fourth, good value. Um, it's deep, just not have a really tough time gauging this entire um, – after probably RB seven, which is my which is Ladamian Webb for me, it's a tough group to um, find who's going to be the next 
guy. Some good values in this draft, though. Again, Josh, who I think had one of the better drafts here, he grabbed Jaquin and Jackson and Rodney Hammond around four and five. I expect both to go earlier in a uh, in future drafts, but really, really nice value there. So there's there's players that I think have have upside. Do I like the team I drafted? A uh, little bit. <laughs> I would I would do things differently. I would I would probably so the two we had to draft the wide receivers. Aaron Harrison Jr. like that pick. I would take him in the first round. I took him fourth overall. I would do it again. Um, don't love taking Jaleel Farouk, who I think is wide receiver one at Oklahoma, but I wish I had gone somewhere else or maybe invested in a, a wide receiver a little bit earlier than waiting to the eighth to take him. I took Nate McCollum as my last pick in round nine. I think he's a good value as well, but I wanted the wide receiver two for Drake May, and that's kind of what led me there. There are a couple players that I wish I had, you know, targeted a little bit earlier. I think Derwin Burgess is one, obviously from Georgia Southern, that I really like. Um, you know, Sam Wigless, uh, big fan. He's coming back for Ohio this year. Just just some values I feel like I passed on maybe that I shouldn't have and, and rearranged my draft board a little bit differently. Maybe I waited on Joe Milton and, and grabbed a, uh, a Squirrel White at Tennessee, who I think could be a top 12 back in 2023 or top 12 wide receiver in 2023 that team is fine i think my favorite pick though by far is brock bowers in the third if i'm getting brock bowers in the early mid third that's i'll do that every single time i just think he's a difference maker at the position and i would if i'm not getting brock bowers i won't draft a tight end till around nine or ten maybe um jatavian sanders i also drafted um i just felt he was like good value at the end of round six I wouldn't do that in a real draft, but for the purpose of ADP, I think that he that's probably where he's going to go. And I, I think that he's my tight end two on the year. Um, Brent Cuthy went ahead of him, and Keithy went ahead of him, and Caden Prescorn went ahead of him, but he still went tight end four. So interesting list. Um, I like the rest of my picks enough. Um, but something I would do differently next time is probably wait on running back and take wide receiver a little earlier. So with Damian Webb in the end of round four, I really liked, but then in round five, Jason McClellan, Rodney Hammond, Sam Bengora, um, Bucky Irving all went in that round. And um, I probably could have waited. And if I had gone someone else, I could have gotten a Jalen McMillan, Zachary Franklin, Devontae Walker at the top of round two. So that's how I would handle it differently moving forward. I do think, I like the draft. I like going wide receiver round one. I'd probably go wide receiver round two again, or I would take Brock Bowers probably at pick 21. If I did it over, I, I, I want, would want to make sure that I get him. So if I get him at the two, three turn, I'm pretty happy with that outcome uh, in all, in all honesty, but this is a really fun practice. Um, you know, we'll be doing a bunch more of these and, and Jerry did a great job putting this on. And I felt like, my draft was all right. There are some there are some really strong drafts in here and a lot of really competitive folks. So I was just happy to be a part of it. And I'm interested to hear what everybody else says. Thank you, Moxley. Coming up next is Josh Chevalier, CFF analyst for Fantasy Points and forever owner of the number one overall pick in redraft. You can find him on Twitter at CFF Guys. Go ahead and enjoy his analysis. Hey guys, my name is Josh. I'm from Fantasy Points, and uh, uh, I'm also on Twitter at CFF Guys. So thank you, Jared, so much for having me on in this first mock draft. And I'm going to walk through <clears throat> just the general questions that Jared asked us to answer. And so 
Um, yeah, first question is, what is your general opinion of this year's pool of players? Man, you know, I think like most of us, I really like this group of players this year. I think when you look at it overall, like quarterback, super deep again, running back, always deep, always good, replacement players coming up. Um, and then wide receivers, I feel like most years, like, man, there's a couple at the top that are really, really good. And then and it drops off pretty quickly. And so I think finding good wide receivers is um, something that we should all be striving for this year. Um, did I like the team that I drafted? Yeah, I always like the team I drafted. Does that mean it's a good team? I guess, you know, we'll have to see as, as time, you know, ultimately tells the truth about my team. So, but, you know, I think this year I'm just going best available player um, throughout the draft. And so uh, I think I did that overall. I guess if there's one thing I would have changed, I took Damian Martinez in a second. I had pick 1.5 overall. So in the second, you know, I don't know what that makes it, 2.8, 2.9, um, 2.9, I think. Um, and yeah, so, you know, I like, I liked overall my team, but you know, one pick I might, might have done differently is Damian Martinez um, from Oregon State. I love Damian Martinez. I took him in a second. Um, and honestly, I was between him and Zachary Franklin, and I just wasn't sure um, if Zachary Franklin was actually coming back or not. And so I think because um, when we drafted the day of the declarations and he hadn't said either way other than a random video <laughs> in a classic, you know, G5 way of finding things out. So um, and he went about four or five spots later. So I think that's a guy I would have probably taken in the second round instead of Damian Martinez, just because I like the running back options later better than the wide receiver options. So then I would have started Bo Nix with my 1.5. And then at 2.8, I would have had Damian, Mar or sorry, um, Zachary Franklin, and then come back with Jalen McMillan um, with a 3.5. So I, I think I would have really, really liked that start. Um, and then, um, but, you know, oh, well, it's first mock of the season. We'll figure it out later. But a uh, couple other questions. I think what, what's something you do differently? Um, I mean, I think for me, what would I have done differently um, is just that, right? I would have taken Zachary Franklin instead of um, instead of Damian Martinez. Uh, the other questions here, do I have a favorite pick? Do I have a least favorite pick? I think my favorite pick is I took Jaquindon Jackson in the fourth round, I believe. And, man, I just love his talent. You can see behind me, I got a little Jalen Glover poster. So you can tell how big of a fan I am of that kid. And I chose Jaquin and Jackson. So I think that just goes to show my belief in uh, Jaquin and Jackson, maybe more importantly, the staff's belief in that he can really be a superstar. And I think Jalen Glover will get his run next year, but I think he might have to wait his turn uh, until 2024 um, just to be the, the bell cow because I think Jaquin might, might take that role. And so he just showed a lot this year. He was clearly head above and, um, everybody else in that backfield once Tavian Thomas was gone. And so um, I really like his upside, and I feel like I can also handcuff Jalen Glover, Jalen Glover later in the draft as well. Uh, my least favorite pick, again, yeah, Damian Martinez. Um, even though, man, I absolutely love Damian Martinez as a player. I love his talent. Um, but it's just about maximizing value. So, yeah. Um couple other questions here. Which players were you surprised went undrafted through nine rounds? Man, I don't know if there's a player that I was surprised by, but I just think um, somebody like 
Uh, Barry and Brown is really intriguing to me. You know, I think he sparks an interesting debate with Kentucky, right? Liam Cohen, the new slash old OC of Kentucky, loves to feature the slot receiver. He comes from the Sean McVay um, coaching tree. We saw what Tavian Robinson, sorry, we saw what Wondell Robinson did with them two years ago. Uh, and then Tavian came in this last year with a different OC, didn't have the year we were expecting. Um, but now Liam Cohen's back, and he seems to really favor Tavian Robinson. But Barry and Brown is the best wide receiver on that roster, hands down. And so, um, and Dane Key's really good too. So Barry played a lot on the outside last year. He can play the slot, um, but that's not really maybe where his future is. So this is a great debate of like, man, do you go with the most talented receiver or the position that's generally targeted targeted in the system? And um, I think that's going to be a good debate. I think it's going to be interesting to see in spring ball how they use Barry and Brown, um, you know, throughout the spring. And if he's really the featured guy or where is it Tavian as just the fill-in slot receiver, even though he's not uh, a better um, – he's not a better player than Barry. And so, so, yeah, that would be one thing as Barry and Brown is just really intriguing to me this year. Um, yeah, I think – yeah, what stra- draft strategy do you think is the best for this year? Man, I, last year I kind of veered away from my typical strategy as the best available player, and I went um, heavy wide receiver early. And, man, if you go look back at the first two rounds last year specifically, man, there's a lot of misses by a lot of people, and, uh, and, and including me with – I was speaking Jermaine Burton a lot. And um, so I think I went heavy wide receiver early last year. And I think this year I'm just going best available player. And hopefully um, we can make it up on the back end of drafts with quality wide receivers. So I'm not going to force anything necessarily. Um, but when it's a tie for a guy like Zachary Franklin or Damian Martinez, like this last draft, I'm probably going to go wide receiver um, if I feel like I can get value later. Um, at the running back position. So, yeah, Jared, again, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to my ramblings. And I hope it made some kind of coherent sense. And looking forward to the offseason, man. It's the best time of the year. All these best balls we get to do and mock drafts. And um, we get to speculate. And then um, if you're like me, just get to eat all your own crow during the season when you're wrong. So y'all have a good good offseason. Look forward to interacting with everybody. And, um, yeah, thanks again, Jared. Thanks, Josh. Next, we're going to hear from the king of spreadsheets and owner of CFB Winning Edge, Nicholas Ian Allen. You can find his work on Twitter at CFB Winning Edge. Take it away, Nick. Hi, this is Nicholas Ian Allen of CFB Winning Edge. You can follow me on Twitter at CFB Winning Edge and check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge. I'd like to thank Jared for uh, inviting me to participate in this mock. It's always uh Great time and, and a great opportunity to uh, look ahead and, and try to take stock of uh, what the upcoming CFF year is going to look like. With that in mind, I, I don't necessarily have an opinion yet of, of this year's pool of players. Um, it's very, very early in my calendar, not surprisingly, but I'm, I'm right in the middle of working on my returning production database. and still have a, a ways to go so I've you know jotted some things down here and there some positions maybe you can even 
most positions seem pretty deep just based on it it seems like we're seeing some players take advantage of extra eligibility but also perhaps with some nil opportunities some guys might be sticking around a little bit longer in college uh, than jumping right away to the opportunity to go pro so I don't know, you know, hard numbers yet, obviously, but it, it seems like maybe we're, we're going to be pretty deep across the board. Uh, my particular team in this draft, I, I, I don't necessarily like it, don't hate it. I did come with sort of a, a specific goal to draft, for the most part, players who uh, were well-known, who have been productive CFF players already in their career. Didn't want to go outside of the box very much. Wanted to sort of see what others might do with a player who you know, may be stepping into uh, a new role, maybe stepping into you know, a new opportunity as a transfer, what have you. I, for the most part, just sort of went by you know, the returning uh, numbers who were the highest scorers uh, available from last season, the exception being Brant Keithy, the tight end that I took in the third round, just a couple of picks after Brock Bowers. Keithy, of course, missed a big chunk of last season due to injury, but has been a productive player in the past. But pretty much everyone else, for the most part, I, I took one of the top players available based on their 2022 production and, and kind of wanted to see where others might look to to take somebody uh, who's a little you know uh, less established perhaps so when i'm looking you know what will i do differently next time i probably will work out of the box a little bit i I do plan to uh, not draft anyone i drafted in this round uh, or excuse me in this mock Um, i I typically try to do that between my first and second and sometimes even third uh, mocks of, of uh, a new season just to to see where I might differ from you know the the rest of the group on a particular player but there's a, a very good chance that I will start to dabble a little bit more in you know more systems plays more maybe bounce back opportunities things like that so I, I definitely do plan to, to mix it up a little bit as for players I was surprised went undrafted had I not taken Brant Keithy as the second tight end off the board, and as early as I did, which I, I probably went a little earlier than I would next go round if, if Keithy was going to be my selection there. But I'm, I'm considering Bryson Nesbitt of North Carolina in the mix for that, you know, third or, or, you know, certainly I think a top five tight end, even though he's going to have other tight ends on the field with him. Kamari Morales does have eligibility remaining and uh, as far as I know is planning to come back. Nevertheless, Nesbitt is really just a, a big athletic receiver. Plays you know a lot of snaps in the slot, nearly 200 pass snaps in the slot last year, was targeted 50 times. And I feel like with you know Josh Downs and Antoine Green moving on, there's there's certainly an opportunity for Nesbitt to step up and, and become a bigger piece of that offense as a whole. And just as a basically a, a matchup nightmare and somebody who gets a lot of targets in the red zone, a lot of opportunities to score touchdowns, I, I feel like he's really in line for uh, a bigger season than he had last year, you know, when he had four, 500 yards and, and four touchdowns. So um, he's certainly somebody that I'm going to be looking to draft early and often in 
2023. So I, I expect him to be among you know the risers. I'm not you know 100% sure uh, how I feel about who might fall. It seemed like at the time that Chris K taking Tyler Shuck in the second round that seemed a bit high. I mean I was a, a big uh, believer in Shuck last year, and unfortunately, he was really, really limited uh, due to injury. Came back, of course, you know, in the bowl game, had a big game, and in that Texas Tech offense, if he's, you know, definitely going to be the starter, has an opportunity to, to put up huge, huge numbers. However, you know, Baron Morton uh, played well at times when he had an opportunity to start. Some think that he probably, you know, even has a higher ceiling and, and might give Shuck you know, some real competition in the spring and, and fall for that job. So that makes me a little bit nervous, but I will say if we, you know, get a, a really good idea that Shuck is uh, far and away the favorite and, and basically the, the starter until determined otherwise, then I, I certainly understand, but would not be terribly surprised if, if he falls a little bit just because of, of some of those questions, you know, based on last season. Uh, strategy, I think, is best. I went really, really heavy on quarterbacks last year, and it seems like, at least as far as this mock, that you know there might be uh, a half dozen potential first-round quarterbacks uh, in 2023. After you know Caleb Williams and Drake May went one and two, I mean I don't think anybody was you know reached really for Knicks or Reed or Harris or, or Penix, and then you know as I said, Shuck is, is I think, in that conversation uh, if we knew for sure that he was going to be the starter. So despite that, I, I do think that quarterback is a deep position as always. Uh, I may trade to mix it up a little bit different than what I did last year. And, and if I don't get one of those, you know, first four or, or really those first two quarterbacks, I might just sort of, you know, sit for a little bit and, and try to take a larger number with some guys who have, you know, some high ceilings, but might not be as established. So that that's probably something I'll do a little bit more this year uh, than next year. I didn't really, like I said, you know, didn't do anything unorthodox, went really, really vanilla with uh, the, the draft strategy for this first one. So didn't necessarily take anyone to get anybody to talk Maybe the exception is is Ryan O'Keefe. You know, Boston College, pretty terrible offense altogether. But Zay Flowers did a great, great job there. And Ryan O'Keefe is about a you know carbon copy, about as close as you could possibly get to Zay Flowers. So BC did show some improvement late in the season, uh, moving to you know a new quarterback after. Phil Djokovic uh, went down with injury, and now of course he's he's transferred. They do have a new offensive coordinator coming in. We don't necessarily yet know uh, who that is as, as I record this. So not entirely sure what the offense is going to look like, but Ryan O'Keefe, really explosive playmaker. And we've seen what somebody who is basically has the, the same exact skill set, say Flowers, what he can do. So maybe he was the the exception. He's a player that I like a lot. Would love to have seen him in, in you know maybe a more explosive offense, but he should get a, a ton of touches and, and just opportunities similar, I would expect, to what Zay Flowers did at BC. So again, Jared, thank you for putting this together. Thank you for inviting me. Again, my name's Nicholas Ian Allen. If you're interested in you know, returning production numbers and, and projected depth charts, uh, we've got a lot of new stuff coming out this spring. Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge, and uh, reach out to me on Twitter at CFB Winning Edge if you have any questions. I'm always happy to help. So good luck to everybody, and, and uh, 
look forward to doing another one of these again soon. Thank you very much, Nick. We're halfway through the special and we're really just getting started. Up next is Chris K, host of the Burning the Red Shirt podcast and CFB DFS guru extraordinaire. You can find him on Twitter at RealistChrisK. The mic is yours, K. What's going on, everybody? This is Chris K from the Burning the Red Shirt podcast from campus to Canton as well. You can find me on Twitter at uh, RealistChrisK. Uh, what a fun little experiment here, right? With the way too early mock draft. I thought it was a good time. I always love messing around with the guys and talking about college football. Can't be uh, never a bad thing when we do that. But, you know, looking at this year's drafts, um, I think really early on, I learned something pretty quickly. Uh, and that, and we'll, I'll get into that here in a little bit, but it's always great to see it because you see value opposed, you know, what other people are believing in, what they what they see, you know, guys that maybe jump off the board to others compared to you. And then you can do more research as to why they may be thinking that way or listen to their content, that type of thing and figure that out. But, you know, this year's pool of players, I think, you know, as, as, uh, as the COVID year continues to play an impact, we see older players, we see people, you know, with the NL, uh, NIL impacting everything. I think we have a pretty deep pool of players. It's just, there's so much uncertainty right now. So like, one of the first things I learned, like I was alluding to, was that QB is pretty heavy at the top. I think there's like four to five guys that are incredible talents in terms of on the field uh, and then from a, like a CFF perspective. But then I think like there's a lot of murkiness between maybe like the six, seven QB and the 30th quarterback. I think there's some justification to like each of them um, to a certain degree. And because of that, I think like going into future drafts, if I'm not getting one of the top four to five, I'm probably waiting and kind of getting two in the third, fourth, fifth, maybe sixth round range, just kind of seeing how other people do it. And then making sure that the guys that are my favorites, I, I uh, am ready to attack. I thought there's some really interesting names that went kind of early. You know, I'm never on Quinn Ewers. I probably won't be on Shadur Sanders from Colorado, uh, but did think those picks were pretty interesting and, and curious to see, you know, what people are seeing there. Overall, I picked from the seventh spot, um, started with Rasheen Ali, the running back from Marshall, then Tyler Shuck, Dorian Singer at USC, Aiden Robbins, the now BYU running back, one of my personal favorites, Squirrel White, the Tennessee receiver, then Sam Wigless, the Ohio receiver, Curtis Rourke, the QB from Ohio, Treshawn Ward, Kansas State running back that went, uh, that was at FSU the year prior, and then Colston Loveland, the Michigan tight end. You know, overall, I liked my draft. I thought, like I kind of mentioned, like taking Shuck in the second round in hindsight, probably not the best idea. I think he does have some crazy upside, like we saw in his bowl game. But uh, I was talking to Bainbridge on the side just about him as a potential CFF player and just think that you're going to have to use a handcuff at some point. And if you're taking a quarterback in the second, third round, like you don't really want to have to take a handcuff there. But do like him, just not that high in, in retrospect. Um I think the Ohio tandem is going to be really interesting. I like Sam Wigless and Curtis Rourke, but, you know, I want Rourke to be healthy. We saw a pretty different uh, passing game from Ohio when Wigless was hurt. So he's coming back from, I believe, an ACL injury. So depending on how he recovers will impact where I, I rank him. I think he's a pretty elite option, top 15. But if he's not going to play the first couple of weeks, then obviously that impacts him and his star receiver, Wigless. 
you know, if there's one player I think that moves up boards as time comes on or goes on, it's Treshawn Ward from Kansas State. I think he's really a good running back at FSU. He was awesome last year at FSU. Just that was a crowded backfield, split carries, that type of thing. And we saw Kansas State likes to to run it, right? You know, obviously no one's going to replace Deuce Vaughn in that backfield, but they were really pretty productive and they return a few different players that make that interest that offense interesting. I think, you know, I took him in the eighth round of a 12 teamer. I could see him in the fourth or fifth round. Um, I love Aiden Robbins, you know, maybe Dorian Singer was a little high USC. They do spread it around a good bit. You know, I don't think he's going to be like, he's not coming into the season like Jordan Addison was last year, who was a late first, early second round pick. Do you think that he'll have some potential there, but maybe a round or two later? Um, I've already kind of mentioned what I would do differently next time. I think I would go heavier on a flex at the start or take a QB in the first round. Otherwise, you know, wait on the QBs there. Um, you know, I think the strategy that is probably best is that I, I think right now we just know so much about the quarterbacks. There's less uh, question marks around so many of them that I think that we can use that to our uh, advantage, take a more solidified, less risk, you know, a, less, you know, a risk adverse player early in terms of like the flex guys. And then know that, you know, Hey, that my QB 25 to 35, there's all really good quarterbacks that we know there's no risk in and just take them later because there are a lot of battles that have to be won. Um, like a guy like Marshawn Lloyd, I think he could bump up big time in drafts. I think a USC running back is always great, but that's kind of a crowded backfield. So that's my, you know, a situation where, you know, he could be really a great third, fourth rounder type value that you get sixth, seventh, eighth round, just because we don't know a ton about what they want to do in the backfield. Uh, Squirrel White, I think, is another guy that could bump up in drafts. You know, it's Tennessee receiver one. We saw what he could do in the uh, the uh, bowl game against Clemson, a legitimate defense there with Joe Milton, who's going to be the quarterback again. So, you know, you like to see that kind of uh, combination be successful already. I love Joe Milton. I think there's enough reason to not take him like as high as he went in this draft, but I think he uh, is going to be a great quarterback in 2023. You know, I wonder where like a Brew McCoy or uh, the transfer, I think it was Dante Thornton from Oregon, you know, where do they play into this? But I think squirrel is going to be like, no matter what that that safer pick and getting him in the middle of the fifth round feels like a steal. So Super looking forward to more of these drafts and seeing what everybody else says here on the, in this. Um, this is sometimes considered some of the best uh, content, some of the best fun to have. The debate, the back and forth is always a good time for us. So looking forward to it, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. Thank you, Chris. Up next is one of the newest faces in the CFF landscape, and that is the dynamic duo from the CFF list account, William Barnett and Jeremy Miller. You can find both of their work on Twitter at CFF List. Gentlemen, take it away. All right. This is Jay Mill and Willie B, uh, a.k.a. OG Jay Mill on Twitter and Willie B's uh, on Twitter. We're the guys from CFF List. Here to run down our way too early mock draft uh, that we're so happy to be part of with uh, CFF Jared and the crew. Uh, Right off the bat, uh, let's get into the first pick we made, Willie. Um, I think we both loved seeing Austin Reed sitting right there in the middle of the draft. Uh, I think he was the fifth quarterback off the board, but uh, you and I probably both had him in the top two or three and we're more than happy to take him, don't you think? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I don't want to give rankings away, but I know you had him uh, a lot higher than that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very happy to get him there. I, I'm happy to take him with any of those top three guys, assuming everybody else likes uh, Caleb Williams and May. Let's move around real quick to like just the opinion in general on on this year's draft class. You know, I know you and I talked skipping to our last pick, but sticking at quarterback, we jumped in and got Delora. Um, we both felt good, I think, about him having a young team last year and having the success he did with a young team. But we were very comfortable, I know, taking him at the very end because we felt like once you get past those top five or six quarterbacks, there's an extremely deep group of quarterbacks this year. Uh, and there's probably not a rush to take your QB twos, maybe even your QB threes. Do you have anything to add about that or Delora in general? No, I agree with that. I mean, there are about three guys I believe that we wanted. Um, I think uh, Gabriel got sniped right, for us, right. but we're still I'm I was still very happy to get Jaden. So yeah, yeah. Not to mention, you know, when we talk about players that were left over after the draft, you know, we were, KJ Jefferson was the other one we we considered taking with our last pick. You had guys like Hartman, JT Daniels, uh, Adrian Martinez, Hennigan. These are all guys that weren't taken, you know, among the top 24 that I think anybody would be happy to have, you know, as, as their wide, res I mean, quarterback threes, um, you know, maybe even a, a quarterback two that, that could, uh, you know, hold their weight. Moving on to running back, I know um, we actually skipped and took a Dunze with our second pick, um, and that's because there was a big run at running backs going into that second round uh, coming back to us. So we decided to skip. I know initially we did take a Dunze because we thought that that really top-tier crop uh, group of receivers was a little more limited. You know, it gets a little bit, you know, more slim pickings once you get past maybe that top five or top ten. We both like Adunze, I think, in the top five, so we snatched him up in the second round. But looking then at the running backs, we actually had to break up a big running back run. Uh, we liked Steele. We took him in the third round. I know we were uh, sniped in terms of Cooper, you know, going uh, just before him. But, uh, it, you know, there were a couple others. I know you like Bangura. Uh, we considered Gore, uh, but we were very happy to get Steele. You know, what are your thoughts about him, you know, being at UCLA and and taking him that early in the third? No, I mean, I, I felt that uh, we definitely could have gotten him there. So that's why I was really happy that we did get a Dunze, because after Corum went, Shipley, Sanders. I think know, Judkins we, went before think, him also. Yeah, yeah. yeah we were both in agreement. Okay, yeah, we just need to wait, uh, get ahead of this receiver run that would have gone. So right, right. very happy to get Rome there. Yeah, yeah, and, and we did have again, again, like, like every year, you're going to have your your top tier where there's four or five guys. If you can't get your hands on them, you might as well skip and wait because then usually the next group of six or seven, you know, you don't want to panic if you don't get somebody in that top tier. And once they were gone, we kind of bumped down where Steele maybe started that second tier, and we felt like we had several choices. So um, ended up then kind of going every other round, going receiver and then running backs. You know, we we grabbed uh, Tyler in the fifth. After we had taken Thrash in the in the fourth round, you want to tell the people like why we you know ranked Thrash you know so much higher than maybe some others, um, and and grabbed him in the fourth with his move. Yeah, with with his, I mean, some people may shy away from him. Um, you might think that he probably can't take that step, but you know, you you get a sixty catch guy, a thousand yards. I think we ended up with uh, two thousand yard receivers. Um, I think all three of them had seven touchdowns last year so 
just staying in the the right tier if you feel like you know if you don't want to overreach definitely have your tier stick to your tier and i think you'll be just fine yeah and and with um with Brome going to Louisville, you know, that that's really what sold us on Thrash. He had a great season last year. Brome's done an incredible job uh, coaching up receivers and quarterbacks wherever he's gone with the system that he implements. So we feel good. Sturdivant, I know, you know, that that's really, you know, we agreed on him, but that's one of your guys that you're really high on. You want to give give uh, your two cents on Sturdivant as well? Yeah, I, I feel like uh, based on what he did last year and then now he's, you know, going to UCLA getting a jump in, in offense. And we're, we're talking about the, the style of offense that they have, uh, the, the weapons that he, you know, he's not going to be by himself. Right. You know, you're not going to be able to double and triple him like, you know, possibly like he was last year. So, right. And, you know, we didn't have the pressure of this being, you know, a, a real team, but, you know, had it been, I would have been a little bit upset. You reminded me after the fact that we did end up with uh, UCLA running back with Steele and a UCLA receiver with Sturdivan. I don't know if we want to stack it, relying on one in a critical position uh you know having your one of your key guys at a critical position on the same team we'd probably want to you know not stack so heavily with a running back from UCLA and a receiver but I think as far as individual players if we can get either one you know having Steele or Sturdivant as a receiver running back from UCLA can work for you um, especially since they they may not have as strong of a quarterback as they had last year and speaking of things we might do over we, we ended up taking uh, pre-scoring at tight end, which we got really excited about when he made the move to Ole Miss. Again, it's one of those things that kind of hit me later, like, oh, damn, Trigg is still there. Like, what are they going to do with Trigg and pre-scoring? And a little bit of buyer's remorse, maybe thinking like, wow, they really didn't use the tight ends that much last year and kind of got more excited about the person than the system. But what are your thoughts on, you know, do you agree that like maybe taking pre-scoring could have been the pick that we regret or maybe taking somebody different or waited for the tight end? We took him in seventh, I think. No, it might be regrettable, but I there's a lot of people that regret taking trick last year. So True. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna feel bad about it. I mean, I'm gonna go with the guy who's been proven, and I'd I'd rather that have that than take a chance, especially at tight end. Right. I mean, right. You, you, you know, you have to. You can't just go on a possibility. Right. So, right. We gotta. We gotta do a quick wrap up. I know everybody's gonna have their two cents in their team, but the last thing I'll say as far as players, we've opted for a running back as our flex guy. We really liked Hemby. Uh, at Maryland as the only guy uh, we don't really see anybody behind him at running back two or three that's going to take any carries away from him we feel like you could put a lot of chips in on Hemby um, and just to mention a few other players that we were a little bit surprised by you know we were a little bit surprised there to see Ollie Jennings left at wide receiver you know thoughts on him quickly Tracy on uh, being at um, Virginia Tech and how that might hurt him and why he might have been left behind no, I think that's the, the only reason I think that he's probably left it behind is because his jump in competition coming from Old Dominion. That's yeah. the only thing that I can think of. Um, yeah, yeah. And, know, and, I, and, and I think just the question marks at quarterback, too, you know, would go along with that. Because, I mean, you're looking at a guy who was a, a top 10 caliber receiver. He's the number one receiver remaining from, you know, last year after you take all the graduated graduate guys away and the NFL guys. So it's, it's, it was shocking to see Ollie Jennings sitting there as the highest points per game receiver going into this draft. And he went undrafted, you know, in a 12 team league. Any final thoughts, Tracy, on the team? No, I, overall, you know, I, I like what we did. Um, like I say, some people may, may judge the two Cal guys. Uh, and then, like I say, we're pre-scoring, but other than that, you know, we got exactly what we wanted. We're kind of where we wanted. So um, it, it's hard to get, you know, sniped at quarterback, like you said, when, 
it's so deep, especially in a 12 team league. I mean, yeah, you, you yeah. know, you're, you're going to find players all over right. the place. So I'll finish by saying we were happy as can be to get Austin Reed as the fourth or fifth quarterback off the board. <laughs> like, cause, cause the guy averaged 34 points a game in his last five games. So yeah, 40, 4,200 yards and over 40 total touchdowns last yeah. year. You'll be happy to, you know, if he gave you 75% of that. So exactly. All right. So good luck to everybody. We know it's early. Um, you know, we hope we can help. Yep. Thanks for having us. All right. CFF lists on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you, gentlemen. Up next is the godfather of CFF, the gridiron scholar himself, John Lobb. You can find him on Twitter at gridironscholar91. Imbue us with your wisdom, Mr. Lobb. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for joining us for the way too early CFF mock draft. I am so happy to join everyone. And thank you, Jared, for inviting me to partake in this. It forced me to look at the player pool earlier than I probably would have normally, but I really had a blast. And for all of all of you, I wanted to just run down my picks before I answer some questions, everyone. At the quarterback position, I took Frank Harris and Taquan Finn, um, two dual threat quarterbacks. Running back, I took Raheem Sanders, Arkansas, Devin Neal, Kansas, and LaQuint Allen, Syracuse. Sean Tucker's gone. I was impressed by Allen's performance in the bowl game. I think he had 11 catches, some ridiculous number of receptions. He is a, he has the body. I think he's six foot 195. I like the offense. So I was willing to take a chance on him. And then receiver, I went very conservative with players I have seen perform at their schools. Antoine Wells, South Carolina, Elijah Badger, Arizona State, and Troy Franklin earlier at Oregon. And I took the long shot. I think the tight end pool is weak. So my last pick, I took Tanner Kozel out of Ball State. And Jared was kind enough to ask us some questions about how we would like to address viewers. I love the quarterbacks and running backs in this group. I think they're very strong. Early looking at the rankings right now. My general strategy, and obviously as we move forward, everything could change, would be to grab one quarterback, and one running back in the first two rounds of each draft. I want a strong quarterback and a strong running back. Now, obviously, value would determine everything. If a great receiver falls to the second round, I would obviously consider changing, but that would be my course. During the draft, there were three players I identified beforehand who I wanted to see what the community thought of them. And we have some value established. Shador Sanders, Colorado, the quarterback, playing for his dad. He went in the sixth round. So we have some established value. I like him a lot. I want to hear reports and see what happens with the Buffaloes and Sanders, but I'm interested in him. Running back Jalen Ock. He was a he was a sticky kind of what do you think of him? He had some up and downs. He was a freshman last year. Jalen Ott went in the seventh round. Now, there's some changes in California. I think they're having a change at the quarterback, right? Because I think their quarterback left. So there's still some more research I have to do. But Jaden Ott, we have a value. Seventh round is where he was selected. And my friends, I'm going to go back to the well down in SEC country. Malik Neighbors, LSU. I was blown away impressed by him at the end of the season. 
Look at his numbers. They're much better than I think most people understand. He went in the fifth round. I think he's going to move up draft boards. I like Malik Neighbors a lot, and I might be saying here something that's shocking. I think he's better than Kayshawn Booty. I really like him next year, so that I find fascinating. Now, one player, I was shocked he didn't get drafted, but I kind of understand why. Will Rogers did not even get drafted. I believe he's got two straight seasons of over 30 touchdown passes. But man, the CFF community does not like the coaching change. We don't like that new offense. Many of us gotten burned last year by Brennan Armstrong. So I'm not, I'm surprised that I'm not surprised that he fell despite the numbers he has put up. Uniqueness this year. Six quarterbacks taken in round one by the experts. If my memory serves me, that was not as common last year. So the community. The community is thinking about the value of these high-end quarterbacks. We had a lot to return. I took a quarterback, Frank Harris, in the first round, so that surprised me. Tight end, very shallow. Even more shallow than last year. There are two studs, and then just start throwing darts after that. If you don't get the two studs, you might as well just throw a dart. I played tight end roulette last year. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. It's a very hard position, but I think that's going to, if you either draft one of the two studs or you wait. I did like my team. My favorite pick was Daquan Finn Toledo in the eighth round. The Mac kind of went under the radar. I think people, the Mac action wasn't as bountiful as we have done in the past. And Daquan Finn, I think, is going out the radar. I think he finished in the top 15 at the quarterback position last year for CFF. I mean, he was much, much better than people give him credit for. So I like that. Wide receivers. I'm probably going to be passing on the top end. Part of it is the burn from last year. Oh my God, did the top end wide receivers fail. Last year, I had wild success with the Puka Nakaos, the Xavier Hutchinsons, the middle round wide receivers. I am willing to draft five or six receivers who I have ranked in the 20 to 40 range. Let the chips fall when the season kicks off. Two players that I am going to do something different on. I wanted to see what the community thought of them. I love Michael Pratt and Riley Leonard, the quarterbacks at Duke. I couldn't get either. They were both in my queue. I was looking to grab them. And they both went off right when I wanted them. Now I have some value on those two players. So I'm going to push them up the board. I would draft them in the sixth round next time if our one of the two players in the sixth round. I like both. And then I have a non-drafted team. Three players who I like, who I think you can get value on who weren't in these nine rounds. K.J. Jefferson of Arkansas. They have a new offensive coordinator, Dan Enos. Look him up. He's he's going to produce numbers at the quarterback position. Now, I passed on K.J. Jefferson because I had Raheem Sanders. I wouldn't have drafted two Arkansas Razorbacks. But let's say I didn't get Raheem Sanders. I probably would have taken K.J. Jefferson. I like his ceiling, especially as a second quarterback. As a third quarterback, I'd be so happy with him. Donovan Edwards of Michigan did not get drafted. 
he look, we don't know what Blake Corm is going to be like. I think that we saw him at the end of the year. He was phenomenal, and even in, against um in the Big Ten championship game and against TCU. I like Donovan Edwards a lot. I probably would have drafted him in the 10th round. And one wide receiver, you everyone might think I'm a little bit crazy, but my guy who I like a lot, Alex Adams, former LSU wide receiver at Akron. These numbers are crazy. In four of his last five games, he had over 100 yards receiving. He scored seven touchdowns, and he had a high of 150 Alex Adams is a bargain for a group of five wide receiver Akron. So those are my three under the radar in my queue players that I would be targeting next. Thank you everyone for watching. You can find all my college fantasy football information on fan tracks. It'll be there probably starting around March. And I want to thank everyone. It was so much fun. Please look at the board, check it out. Just get some early value where we stand as a community. And thank you, Jared, for the invite once again. Thank you, Lob. Coming up next is Mr. Matthew Hicks from the Rookie Big Board YouTube channel. You can find him on Twitter at the FF underscore educator. Go ahead and educate us, Matt. Hey, everybody. It's Matt Hicks from the Rookie Big Board at the FF underscore educator on Twitter. Drafted from the 10 spot here in this mock draft. I left here fairly confident with my roster. I wouldn't say it was a perfect draft, but I would say pretty good here for a first run, looking at what this player pool looks like in January. I would say right off the bat, what jumped out to me, having gone through the draft, is that quarterbacks are going to be king this year. Now, that generally is a trend, but I just felt like drafting at the 10 spot, it was hard for me to get a quarterback that I liked. So I, I pivoted off of quarterback early. And I got to say, I don't know if I would want to do that again. You know, I got up here with the 110 off the board already. We had, you know, Drake May, Bo Nix, Austin Reed, uh, Frank Harris. I would say in particular, the Austin Reed pick had me tilting because I thought at 110 he would be there. And of course, Caleb Williams was off the board first pick. So I went with Braylon Allen uh, at my 110. I'm happy with that. You know, it'll be interesting to see uh, what that scheme looks like here. I know they're transitioning a little bit this offseason, so it'll be interesting to see how Braylon Allen uh, fits into that. But I think it still feels safe to project a high-volume role and that Braylon Allen has to play a big part of that offense. I think the red zone is what I'm interested in. What do those touchdowns look like? Uh, so coming off of that here, um, you know, we went around the turn. I ended up with Travion Henderson with my 15th overall pick. You know, I got to say this one was interesting. You know, I double tapped the running back position, kind of not seeing those quarterbacks. Like I mentioned early, I, I usually like to go quarterback early. So I faded, I double tapped when Travion Henderson, another guy in a, in a, a split backfield here. Or I shouldn't say another guy in a split backfield, but Henderson in a potentially split backfield. The volume is a little uncertain here. So I'm kind of leaning into that volatility, which I don't mind doing this time of year. But, you know, it, it, it could make this mock draft look a little funny here uh, a few months down the line. Uh, back on the next turn here, I took Cade Klubnik and Quinn Ewers. I got to say, these are probably my two favorite picks. I'm 
regretting not taking quarterback right off the bat, but I think this is really good value here. Uh, this was post the Garrett Riley move uh, to Clemson. And so for me, that makes Cade Klubnick a, a viable CFF option. So if I had to guess, Cade's probably going to have more of a second round, like a late second round ADP come June, July. So to get him here in the third round, I think is really solid. Um, and then swinging back here, I'm going to lean into the Quinn Ewers hate. You know, I think that Quinn Ewers uh, was overly criticized uh, coming off of his performance last season. He looked really good when healthy. You know, he suffered that injury. He came back. I don't think he was 100%. And now we're heading into a second year here in the Quinn Ewers offense under Steve Sarkeesian. I think there's a lot of opportunity uh, for Texas in general to take a nice big step forward. You know, we have the additions at wide receiver through the transfer portal. We have Xavier Worthy coming back. And now without B. John Robinson here, there might be more of an emphasis on the pass game. So I, I really like that 3-4 turn. Working down here, I took a pair of wide receivers, McMillan out of Arizona and then Brew McCoy out of Tennessee. Uh, you know, maybe a little bit of Tennessee Vol fan bias here, but you know, with Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman moving on from the NFL, I think we can expect Brew McCoy to be that next main target up. Brew McCoy, a former five-star guy, certainly has the talent. And we've seen in the Josh Heupel offense that once he turns it over to you, it makes you the featured wide receiver. Now, whether that's Velas Jones a couple years ago, whether that's Tillman, uh, and then Hyatt when Tillman was out this year, now we have an opportunity for Brew McCoy to be that guy. And not knocking anybody else, there's some talented guys working up the depth chart, but I think Brew McCoy is going to get the first knock here uh, on that. And then we leaned into a little bit of upside play here. And for me, once I get to, you know, uh, past round six, even quite frankly, into rounds five, six, uh, I'm looking for upside. And so I went Jaden Ott and Kobe Pacer uh, with my next two picks here. Ott is certainly somebody who impressed as a freshman. You know, a little bit of pause here, not only playing in the Cal offense, but they've added some running backs to the transfer portal. I'm going to go ahead and just lean into Ott's talent and say that, you know, without those transfer portal moves, we might be taking Ott in the third, fourth round. So I'm happy to take him at what I, I view as a pretty good discount here with just offseason moves. And then Pesor, you know, I think he has the opportunity to, to be the guy for UNC. I don't think it's locked and loaded by any means, but we saw that late season performance. Uh, that was a nice indication of maybe where the coaching staff wants to go this year. So, you know, not having uh, taken wide receivers early, you almost have to lean into that a little bit more here. And then I finished uh, with my tight end. <laughs> I waited on tight end. I took Jalen Conyers out of Arizona State. Good production here. Uh, you know, quite frankly, he was kind of the best available at the position here. I was the last one to take the tight end. I, I waited the longest. So, you know, overall, I'm happy with my team. If I was to go back and do this again, I think I would prioritize getting a quarterback in that first round. And I really actually wouldn't mind walking away from the first three, uh, first four rounds with three quarterbacks. If I had done that, I think I would have liked my roster a little bit better. Um, maybe instead of prioritizing Braylon Allen here as we're trying to figure out that offensive scheme. But working down board, I'm happy with what I got. I would love to have done you know, a full 20 round exercise here to see how I could build out some depth around this team. But, you know, it'll be interesting here picking from the 10 spot. I feel like maybe this class is a little bit friendlier here if you've got a top five or six pick. So I like the challenge. It was a fun exercise. Overall, happy with my roster. Thank you very much, Matt. On now is Justin from the CFF Insiders website. You can find him and his work on Twitter at InsiderCFF. 
Go ahead and take it away, Justin. What's up, Chasing the Netting Nation? This is Justin uh, with CFF Insiders. It's really good to be back here. I'm glad that Jared invited me back into the uh, way too early mock draft once again. It's nice, you know, having your really early preconceived notions about players validated. Uh, and it either shows that you're really ahead of the game or nobody else agrees with you because they're not going to pan out. Um, when people pick or do not pick players that you're already high on, despite the fact that it's January. Uh, so I'm going to run through a couple of questions that Jared has asked me to answer just about this mock draft that we did. My general opinion of this year's pool of players is that we are uh, pretty well off at some spots, uh, having to rely on potential at some other spots. Um, tight ends, the big one that we're having to rely on potential for. You've got Brock Bowers and Brant Keithy. Uh, pretty high up compared to everybody else. I think there is about three tiers in between <laughs> those two guys and anybody else next. I ended up taking Mitchell Evans at tight end. Um, that's simply because the Notre Dame tight end spot has been known to be pretty trustworthy. Um, we'll see what we look like after the spring with whoever comes in and who stands out. Um, but out, outside of those two guys at tight end, it's pretty much just a guessing game from there. A uh, couple of guys up top at wide receiver, but after that you're basing everything else just on system because there's so much turnover. Running back's pretty solid. Uh, quarterbacks are pretty good early on. We ended up having six quarterbacks taken in the first round, none in the second. And then after that, there was a stretch of quarterbacks where it was a whole lot of potential. Uh, the next uh, three of the next four were Tyler Shuck from Texas Tech, Cade Klubnick from Clemson, and Joe Milton from Tennessee. Um, all three of those guys have shown potential in spots, but haven't really gotten the starts, um, at least at their current location, to really show that they are completely 100% safe picks. Um, so uh, a, a lot of potential guys. They're at quarterback as well. Do I like the team that I drafted? I do like my quarterbacks as well as my running backs, but out, but at receiver, it's more just uh, a whole lot of guys with potential, whereas there's not a whole lot of safety. Uh, so I got uh, Michael Penix from Washington is a huge one, and then I got Baby Prime at Colorado. Um, I've got a fair amount of trust in both of those guys, uh, even though Shador is moving up to the Power Five. There's only a handful of defenses in the Pac-12 that I'm actually concerned about uh, when it comes to him. And the Sean Lewis guys are usually a gold mine for fantasy production, so I, I like that one. I like uh, like Big Penix energy as well. Um, Will Shipley at Clemson and Remon Davis are about as trustworthy to me as they come. Remon going to Kentucky. Uh, with Liam Cohen coming back is pretty huge for him. And then uh, Will Shipley's going to be in the uh, Garrett Riley system this year, which should be a little bit more fruitful, and we shouldn't have issues to where he gets either a ton of carries or no carries in the first half with the inverse happening in the second half. Uh, that happened multiple times. I took uh, took a lot of potential at wide receiver. Um, I didn't take any of the top guys off the board, just mainly wanted to sit back and see where they went. And so uh, I took a lot of dudes based off pure potential and the system that they're a part of. So uh, Golden at Houston, uh, Voison at South Alabama, Reggie Brown at James Madison, and Tavian Robinson at Kentucky. Uh, I like Robinson's potential with Liam Cohen back. Even Liam Cohen has come out and mentioned in his early pressers. 
that he hated that he didn't get the opportunity to play with him this year, but he's back, and so uh, and so is Robinson. So that's going to be huge for Kentucky to have both of those guys back in the fold. Something I do differently is there's a like there's mainly two guys that I wish that I would have taken sooner, and that's Tory Horton from Colorado State and Derwin Burgess at uh, Georgia Southern. Uh, Colorado State's offense was awful, but Tory Horton somehow managed to be. Uh, a huge part of that. Uh, Georgia Southern is going to be just fine despite the guys leaving. They're going to be okay. Um, Burgess is still going to be that top guy. I wish that I would have capitalized on him sooner. Uh, some players that I'm surprised went undrafted. Uh, not a single Sam Houston or Jacksonville State player went. I've looked and there's not really a guy that's actually stood out to me as a guy who maybe should go in the first nine rounds, but there's still new teams. There's usually somebody we're all excited about. Um, from you know teams moving up from the FCS to the FBS uh, a lot of the guys last year were the uh, James Madison guys I think Chris Thornton at this point in time was like an eighth round pick and he worked his way up to like fourth round or something like that no Malik Hornsby was pretty shocking uh, moving from Arkansas to Texas State I think that we they, there's some players who enter the transfer portal and just I don't know if they understand college fantasy football but it seems like they get it um, Blake Hornsby is one of those guys going to Texas State joining the uh, GJ Keen uh, offense there that'll be really good for him uh, Kevin Coleman uh, going to Louisville was one that stood out to me uh, was super highly touted going to Jackson State and then transferred after Dion left for Colorado, and now he's over there with Jeff Brom at Louisville. It was more shocking that he didn't get drafted, mainly because Jamari Thrash also got drafted. And so uh, if we're picking up the transfers from Louisville, I, I like uh, the potential of Coleman, especially if nobody's going to be picking him. If nobody's going to be picking Kevin Coleman, I will gladly take him and trust the chances of him possibly stepping up in a big way. Um, and there was not a single Purdue wide receiver taken despite Graham Harrell being there. And so that was also kind of surprising. Um, I drafted Tavian Robinson just to get people talking about him. I think he deserves a little bit more, uh, a little bit more recognition right now, given that Liam Cohen's coming back. Uh, he recruited him to Kentucky. He stayed at Kentucky after Cohen left. And, uh, before he mentioned Key or Brown in his opening presser, he talked about Tavian Robinson. And so that's that's huge for me. Uh, Devin Leary loved throwing to Thayer Thomas in the slot, and that's exactly where Robinson's going to be. Uh, who do I expect to rise and fall in drafts? Uh, John, Reese, John Rice Plumley was a seventh rounder, I believe, in this draft. He finished up as a top 25 fantasy quarterback last year despite having to fight off Mikey Keene in a couple of games and missing another couple of games due to injury. Um, so he'll probably move his way up. I'm not a big Troy Franklin fan at Oregon, um, at least not at where he was taken. He was taken as the wide receiver 10 in this draft. Uh, Franklin is a sub-thousand-yard receiver from last year. The Will Stein hire uh, certainly gives him a lot of appeal, but uh, Oregon has picked up Taz Johnson from Troy, even though that might not flash on paper. Um, Tez is the adopted brother of Bo Nix and Aiden O'Connell and Chuck Sizzle just showed us what nepotism can do at Purdue uh, all last year. So that could be something to worry about. They also pick up Treshawn Holden from Alabama. And so I don't know that I'm comfortable at this point in time picking up a guy like Troy Franklin, especially that early uh, when I could have picked up 
uh, a few other players here and there. Um, for example, uh, DeCorian Clark at UTSA is a good one. Uh, Jordan Curley at SMU is a good one that I would have taken there. Squirrel White from Tennessee. Um, and then Derwin Burgess especially. Uh, I think that we all did Derwin Burgess a disservice by not taking him earlier than we did. Um, so th- those are my thoughts on this year's far too early draft. I can't wait for an awesome offseason um, of, you know, just speculation just to get back to the greatest sport on earth. Uh, thanks for having me on, Jared. I look forward to working with you a little bit more during the season. Thank you for your analysis, Justin. Last but certainly not least, we have JD Yonke, CFF analyst over at Devi Watch. You can find him on Twitter at YonkersCFB. Go ahead and finish us strong, Yonke. Peeps, JD Yonke here, CFF with Devi Watch, here to regale you on my thoughts about the way, way, way too early CFF mock draft uh, hosted by CFF Jared. Uh, All right, let's dive into it. What is your general opinion of this year's pool of players? Anything unique compared to previous years? Uh, General opinion? No, I wouldn't really say I have a general opinion. A little early. Um, I guess I was glad to be the last pick. I picked 12th. Out of 12, that's last for you folks counting at home. Um, I mean, unless I was top four. I mean, Marvin Harrison at four looked pretty good. Jokins. Pretty good. Caleb Williams, obviously. I like you. So the top four picks, I think, are pretty sweet. I won't complain about a Malachi Corley, but other than that, the first round, I mean, I didn't really care that much who I was going to end up with. So getting Blake Corum and Emeka Ibuka, that's who I took um, with my first two picks. I am very happy with that. So I guess my takeaway is I want to be picking near the end of the draft, maybe, possibly. Um, but I think that's my preference. Normally, in CFF, where... Um, there's a deeper pool of players, and yeah, I like picking towards the end usually. So not sure that's unique to this year. Okay, running back, uh, I felt like was the strongest position group, I guess, would be my takeaway. I thought there were some really strong options uh, towards the front of the draft. Like, I really thought about going uh, Blank Corum and Rocket Sanders, my first two picks. If I had to do it over, I guess I would do that maybe sometimes. Um, I mean, I like having a wide receiver one and a running back one, but uh, I just really like the running backs, and I thought there was some pretty good depth. Um, Quinton Jackson, Rodney Hammond, Cy Bengura, um, Jason McClellan. These guys are going in the fifth round, right? A lot of these guys. So Bucky Irving in the sixth. Um, I just thought there was some really good depth at the running back position. So uh, that, that was my one takeaway. Of course, we only drafted nine rounds. So we said there's good depth, yeah, in a short draft where people are capped at three running backs. So probably was about to dry up right as we stopped. But uh, no way of knowing that. So I guess we'll see. But I, I do like... The first nine rounds of running backs is what I will say. Um, Other than that, number two, do you like the team you drafted? I drafted this team, so I would think I would like it. Um, I guess I don't immediately regret any decisions. Again, like I said, I probably would do the rocket one over, but I thought I ended up with three pretty good running backs anyway. So let me talk about my team, um, I suppose. So at running back, like I said, I got Corum. I got George Halani at the end of the third round, Boise State, the whatever he is, sixth year, senior. Uh, And then Samson Evans running back. Eastern Michigan, so obviously I'm very happy with those running backs. I think they're all going to get over 1,000 yards, and I think they could all get double-digit touchdowns like Evans and Corum will. Uh, 
health willing, right? And then Halani, um, Halani's just an all-around back. And like I said, that team should win a lot of games and should be in some favorable scenarios. So, um, and they seem seem kind of content to keep giving him a big workload. So I'd, I'd see that continuing. So I would like running backs, wide receiver. I got Igbuka and Jacob Cowing. Jacob Cowing got in the fourth round. Love that pick. Personally, that was my favorite one that I made. Um, with him and Igbuka, I think I'm getting two um, solid wide receiver ones that are going to get over 20 fantasy points per game. So I think that was a pretty strong team. Uh, Ronda Gadsden was my third wide receiver. I don't know how bad Syracuse is going to be, but uh, he's a stud. So we'll see. And then at quarterback, I waited. Um, there were some really good quarterback depth there were some guys I was hoping to drop guys like Jordan Travis Curtis Rourke uh even the Ohio State quarterbacks if you want to snap them two up which you can't really do in a format like this right but normally even Grayson McCall uh Jaden Delora so I ended up waiting the guys that fell to me where I liked them were John Reese Plumley and Dylan Gabriel on the 7-8 flop is where I got those two guys um I think just solid prices on those guys um Two guys who were sexy names last year, and people probably um, are off them a little bit, um, especially Gabriel. He went, he was drafted way too highly last year. So it uh, looks like some decent value there. So yeah, overall, um, overall fine team. Um, number three, what's something you do differently next time? I wouldn't let Rodney Hammond last until the fifth round, and I wouldn't let LaQuint Allen running back for Syracuse last until the 81st pick. That's something I would do different next time. Uh, other than that, which players were you surprised went draft undrafted through nine rounds? Harrison Whaley, running back, Wyoming, transferred in from Northern Illinois. Um, Wyoming, I mean, we saw them. They were down to like their, what was that, fourth, fifth? I think it was fifth string running backs in the bowl game. Of course, there were some health concerns, So, but a lot of it was transfer portal. A lot of it's just people are transferring out of Craig Bull system, which doesn't jive with the new age kids and... When you say a system doesn't drive with new age kids, a lot of times that means hand the ball off to the running back a lot. And that's what it means usually for Bull in Wisconsin. So uh, yeah, Whaley should definitely have been drafted in my opinion. Um, Mario Williams, wide receiver for USC. Had an up and down year, okay? Um, USC is going to have a lot of weapons. They did have a few weapons leave Addison, Kyle Ford, namely. Um, I think there's a chance Mario Williams could be the wide receiver one this year. Um, I do think Dorian Singer will be most people's answer. I do think probably will be Dorian Singer, but I don't know I could say that like super confidently. And I could see Williams being a little bit undervalued since he was banged up. And we've seen um, we've seen what he can do. And he's the most familiar with Kayla Williams for an offense that's going to score a lot. Um, I think he should be drafted with the ceiling floor combination you could possibly get there. So those are two names that stood out to me. Um, other than that, I have nothing else to say. Thank you for listening. Glad to be a part of it. Uh, enjoy the rest of the responses. Thanks again, JD. That's our special. Once again, I want to thank each and every one of the CFF experts who not only participated in this mocks, but also took the time to bring their analysis to this special in order to provide the best experience for all of our viewers. The Twitter handles of each member of the staff will be found below in the description, so please make sure you go and follow each and every one of them. Finally, I want to thank each and every one of our listeners that have watched to this point. You guys are the reason why we can keep doing this stuff. And the growth that you guys have helped create over the last couple of years is the reason why we'll be able to continue doing this stuff in the future. But for now, that wraps up this special. For the experts, for myself, for everyone, I hope you guys have a blessed day. And I'll see you guys next time on Chasing the Natty.